Praise the Lord. I love it. Today we, we're going to have five families come. We had six, but uh, sickness has touched one of the families and, and they can participate in this. But in a few moments, we have five families who are going to come forward. Five young couples that are going to consecrate themselves as parents but also consecrate their children unto the Lord. And uh, so as I was seeking a word from the Lord to be able to share with them, uh, it became obvious to me that I needed to share this word with everyone. So, uh, so in a sense, I'm speaking to those couples, but this is for each and every one of us as parents and as grandparents and some great-grandparents that are here uh, as well. So I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 5. Deuteronomy chapter 5. And uh, I, I just want to talk about the importance of the family and what's happening and what the scripture teaches us as parents, grandparents, about our responsibilities. Now, to do that, I want to begin by looking at the Lord's purposes for the family. But let me read this beginning in Deuteronomy chapter 5 and in verse 29. And this is the Lord speaking through Moses. And he says, if only they had such a heart in them to fear me, that is to reverence me, and to keep all my commandments always so that it would go well with them and with their sons or their children forever. So obviously in this one word here, this one verse, God, as he is speaking through Moses, has on his heart that which we call family, with you and with your children forever. Now, I want to begin sharing, oddly enough, a story about an unusual funeral. It's a funeral which, uh, as everybody had gathered there, and this funeral included the President of the United States was there, um, the cabinet, his cabinet was there, many members of the House of Representatives and the Senate were there, and many dignitaries uh, throughout the world actually were at this service. It took place a number of years ago, but they were all there giving honor uh, to this person uh, that uh, had passed away. Now, his casket was covered with the flag of the United States of America, but he was not a war hero. Uh, in fact, uh, he was just really known for one thing. Now, he had died in Tripoli, and so they had brought his body back, and as they brought his body back for this service, then he received incredible honor and uh, they had the band, they had a parade. It was an incredible amount of pomp and stance that it related to this guy that they were honoring that day at the service. And the question is, who was this guy and what had he done? Well, his name uh, was John Howard Payne. Now, that may trigger a thought in your mind. You might know who that is. You probably don't know who that is. So the second question is, well, what did he do? Well, he just wrote one sentence. 
This whole service, this unusual funeral of great honor uh, was because he wrote one sentence and here's the sentence that he wrote. Mid pleasures and palaces, though oft I may roam, but ever so humble, there's no place like home. And in that day and in that season, those words, there's no place like home, resonated throughout the world. It touched the hearts of people everywhere to the point that when they brought him home, they had this incredible service just to honor him and these incredible words, there is no place like home. You may or may not realize it, but uh, the family is under an incredible attack. And I think you know that. And uh, I'll be careful what I share here, but I want to tell you how 27 years ago, what we see happening now and the terminologies you see now that is taking place, the seeds of that was planted at least 27 years ago. And, and that is uh, in 1995, the summer of 1995 in Beijing, China. There was a conference. It was called the World Conference of Women. And as they met in this conference, they discussed obviously many different things. But one of the things they discussed was this. This was the number one topic, the deconstruction of gender. The deconstruction of gender. You know, what does that mean? Well, I'll let them describe it for you. Here is their statement, quote. Now, this was 27 years ago. The goal is to give members of the human family five genders from which to choose instead of two. No longer do we say male and female. Now we have five opportunities. When freed from the traditional bias, meaning God's nuclear family, as we understand it from the word of God. He says, when we're freed from the traditional bias, uh, a person can decide to be, and I'm just gonna use these terms, obviously not going into detail, male, female, homosexual, lesbian, or transgendered. Now folks, that was planted. That was set as a goal 27 years ago and we're dealing with the results of that, not just in America, but around the world. Do I have a witness on that? And I just wanna make this statement about it. This is nothing but a direct, secular, satanic-driven, hellish attack on the Lord God of heaven and earth. This is exactly what it is. Because you see, the traditional nuclear family came from the very heart of God, and he created the family. Listen to me, not only these couples, everybody. He created the family to meet the deepest uh, social, physical, psychological, and spiritual needs of mankind. In fact, what I wanted to share with you just for a moment, just looking here and just taking this one verse where there is this, this word that is given to them about uh, that, the, that the family would be well and be well forever. Let me tell you what God's intent was. Are you listening? Say amen. 
God's intent for the nuclear, God-designed nuclear family. All right, number one, for our children. First of all, to make sure they learn the realities of life. You say, what do you mean by that? They discover, our children discover who they are, why they're here, what value they have as a person in the eyes of the Lord God who created them and created all that is. They discover who, they discover why, they discover what value they are. Here's where they establish a sense of security. Here's where they develop self-confidence. Listen, this is where they learn the true definition of love. The love of God flowing from parents into the lives of these children. So they discover what, they, uh, what his love really is. That's what is found in the nuclear, God-designed nuclear family. Because we want our children to know and believe they are wanted. Do I have a witness on that? And when you move outside of that, you become like the, a lot of times like the young man who, who said when he was growing up, he never felt like he was wanted. So by the time he was 19, he was wanted in seven states. That's how important this is, that we have a solid nuclear design family unit is what these couples are going to be committing themselves to and consecrating themselves to today. But not just them, that should be true of me. I'm a father, I'm a grandfather, and I hope if the Lord tarries one day, I'll be a great-grandfather as well. But you see, this is the realities of life. Not only the realities of life, but also the restrictions of life. Because you see, in God's family, there are rules. There is right and wrong that is taught. There are principles of life from God's word that is taught. There are precepts, words of instruction from the Lord that is taught. Because here's what our children need to learn. They're not a law within themselves, right? In other words, they can't do whatever they want to do whenever they want to do it. And so they need to learn not only the realities of life, but the restrictions of life. And then thirdly, the reverence of life. What do you mean by that? I mean learning to respect authority. You know, when we don't have authority in the home, when our children don't respect authority in the home, they're not going to respect authority in this culture. They're not going to respect authority in this country. And guess what? They're not going to respect the authority of God. That's what that conference was all about. It's being able to say to God, I want to live my life my way. No, thank you, Lord. And there's a lot of people because they haven't been blessed. And I know there's exceptions to these things. Don't misunderstand. I understand that. And I know there can be a lot of struggle in the process. Could we have an adversary, right? We have an adversary that is coming after our children and coming after us. And so we know that's a reality. But I'm just saying that, that when we have a God-created, a God-designed nuclear family, they learn, the children learn the realities of life, the restrictions of life, and the reverence of life. But I want to show you something else. Not only the Lord's purposes for the family, but I, want to, I want to share with you, these couples and with you, the Lord's principles for the family. And this is really, we start right here in, in 
Deuteronomy chapter 5, in, in that verse, verse 29, when he says, if only they had such a heart in them to reverence me, to keep all my commandments always so that it would go well with them and with their sons or their children forever. He's talking about command. What commandments is he talking about here? Well, if you read verses 1 through 28, he's talking about the Ten Commandments because he rehearses those before the children of Israel. He goes, we received them in the book of Exodus, but he comes back to them here in Deuteronomy chapter 5, and he's talking about the Ten Commandments. And I want to make this statement here, and, and I hope you understand me clearly, and, and that is this, that the Lord God did not give the Ten Commandments to government. Now, if we had a government that was wise in the Lord, they would let the Ten Commandments direct them in everything they do. Do I have a witness on that? Amen. But he didn't give the Ten Commandments to the government. He didn't give Ten Commandments to industry. But I, I can tell you again, every industry, if they will run their industry on the basis of the, of the commandments of the Lord, they will be blessed. Otherwise, they're not going to be blessed of God. Let me say a third thing. He did not give Ten Commandments to the educational systems of the land. Again, it would be wise. It would be wise if they would build their whole educational system on the commandments of the Lord. I get that. I was in a conversation with someone uh, earlier, and, and they were talking about, I just wish we could put copies of the Ten Commandments on the walls in our schools. And I said, so I asked them this question, do you have it in your home? I said, I get your point. But I said, how many of the Ten Commandments can you give me right now? Well, two or three, all right. See, here's my point. He didn't give the Ten Commandments to government or industry or the educational system, even though, again, if they're wise in the Lord, they're going to build everything on that. He gave it to the home. He gave it to the family. And he gave it to us as parents. And we have responsibility of building these into the lives of our children. So in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9, Moses goes on to say this from the Lord. Hear Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart, and you shall repeat them diligently to your sons and sons and speak to them when you sit in your house, when you walk on the road, when you lie down, when you get up. You shall also tie them as a sign to your hand, and they shall be as frontless on your forehead. And you shall also write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Notice quickly three things. How do we build a God-designed nuclear family? Parents, grandparents, great-grandparents. First of all, by example. 
So here's what he said. Hear Israel. The Lord is our God. The Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. In other words, parents, all parents, grandparents and all, it starts right here with me. It starts in your heart. It starts with a parent's heart that has a love and a devotion for God where you love him as best you can with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's where it starts. It doesn't start with your lips. It starts with your life. You can say whatever you want. You can speak truth all day long if you desire to your children. But let me tell you, the only thing they're going to believe, the only thing they're going to believe is what your life is saying to them. So it's incredibly important that we understand as a parent, as a grandparent, and as a great-grandparent that it starts right here, my example, your example before them. Again, we have an adversary. I'll talk about that in just a moment. We have an adversary. And and so there's a lot of things that can happen, but we know what's going to happen if it doesn't start with us. Do I have a witness on that? And so we do it by... Example. Secondly, by explaining. By explaining. And so he kind of lays it out in detail for us in verses 6 and 7. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart and you shall repeat them diligently to your sons, I mean your children, Speak of them when you sit in your house, when you walk on the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. So let me word it this way. As parents, you are the discipler of your children. You are the discipler of your children. Not me as your pastor. Not Rusty as the youth pastor, not Lauren as the children's pastor, director of our children's ministry, not the church. Oh, we have a place. I'll talk about that in a moment. But you need to understand when you stand before the Lord, you can't be able to say to him at the judgment seat of Christ for believers, and of course not the great white throne for unbelievers, but for believers. You can't, you can't look at him and say, well, look, our church just didn't have enough ministry for our children or enough programs for our youth. And, and uh, oh, the youth pastor, he kind of average, and children's pastor, well, she, mm, yeah, you know. You can't say that. Now, number one, you'd be wrong. <laughs> But the most important thing is this. He's going to look at you and say, I called you as a parent to be the discipler of your children. And so, we do it by example. We do it by explanation. And by the way, this has got to be a priority. It's got to be a price. Why he words it as a, when you sit in the house, when you walk by the way, when you get up. In other words, every opportunity, every 
little window of opportunity that comes up each and every day. You're teaching them the commandments of the Lord, the truth of the Word of God. Scripture says this in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And that someone is your child. That someone is your children. There are those here in this service knows exactly what I am talking about. And they're having to fight and wrestle with the adversary every day on behalf of their children. And so it must be a priority and it must be persistent. And so we do it by example. We do it by explanation. We do it by empowering because he goes on to say, so, so shall also uh, you shall also tie them as a sign to your hand and they shall be frontlets on your forehead. You shall also write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. In other words, you, you got to keep it before them all the time. And that's where the body of Christ comes in. We come alongside you, me as your pastor, Rusty as your youth pastor, Lauren is the children's pastor, all of us along with the whole body of Christ, we're coming alongside you with the ministries, with the programs, with everything we can give to you. Of those that were baptized here, some through good news, some that kids saw, some at summer saw, some at vacation Bible school. What are we doing? We're giving them the gospel. So we're coming alongside you, but you're still the discipler of your children. And so we have five couples that are coming today that are coming for the purpose to consecrate themselves as parents to the Lord and then, of course, to consecrate their children to the Lord. One of the couples was going to be Lauren and Ty Sutherland, our children's minister. But two of her kids got sick last night. So even though she is here, they can't participate today. But let me, I want to call these, these couples out. I want to ask them to come and just stand before you. Uh, so we can rejoice in what they are doing. Anthony.